Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Thanks, Claire, and uh, good morning. Good to see you. you. You all look so fresh. You look like a congregation that just got given an extra half an hour sleep in. On a, is it that or is it just the Holy Spirit alive and well today? It's the sleep in, yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, just come back flying down Arterial Road from uh, North Taramara. If you're a guest with us, it's a very special day for us today because it is our first Sunday where we are one church in two locations. And so Northside Taramara met at 9am this morning up in the leafy suburbs of the Upper North Shore. Here are some photos already as to, um, as to what it looks like in there. Look at that strapping young preacher there. Look at that. Hey. <laughs> and uh, it was a wonderful turnout. We had 105 there this morning where, uh, yeah, praise God. What I love in this photo up in the back at the sound desk there is um, that's um, one of the girls who is one of our conference centre staff. And so um, she's not been coming here. That's Gordette. And uh, she heard uh, her family all live up in Warunga. And so she heard we were launching a church in Taramara. And she said, oh, that's a lot easier to go to. And she's brought her whole family along. They were sitting up there. So um, it was a wonderful morning together. And a lot of our core team already, 12 plus people in there uh, helping out kids program upstairs with Sharice. They piped a live feed. Now of the service in there goes into the new mum's and dad's room that we've done in there. So there's a live video feed so that parents can find a place there and there are kids running around the place. And certainly the, uh, the older members there, the existing members of uh, North Taramara, uh, just couldn't believe the life that was in the place. So that's not a bad soft launch, don't you reckon? Uh, it's pretty cool. Um, let me pray as we get into the word. Heavenly Father, Uh, Thank you for what you are doing amongst us now in this moment, uh, for the incredible life that we experienced up at Taramara this morning. Uh, And Father, I thank you for all of the miraculous ways that things have come together. Susan Browning leading us in worship up there this morning. Andrew Renucci leading the service. Tina, M, Ado, Patricia, Sharice, all of our kids team, all of our faithful volunteers that have already uh, put their hand up to say, hey, I want to be a part of this new faith adventure. Father, I thank you for all of them and what you are doing amongst us. And Father, I pray now in these coming moments... Um, that we will absolutely be clear on the why as to we would go to all of that effort. And so uh, we're going to talk about that now. Guide me in this, Father, I pray, through your Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, If we haven't met, um, I'm a father of three kids under six, which is uh, quite an interesting time for us uh, in life. Uh, Things can get a little bit chaotic, a little bit out of hand from time to time. So we have this neat trick in our house. Kristen instituted it all. But when everything gets a little bit crazy, we've got to come back to basics. And so we have this phrase, when everything's going nuts, we say, hang on, stop, stop, stop. Family meeting, family meeting. Anyone here ever had family meetings? Conducted a few of your own? (laughs) Um, Family meetings are great. Family meetings are a great way to come back and say, regardless of what's going on, this is who we stand. That's what you do at a family meeting, right? Look, we we are Haddon's and we don't behave like that. We are Haddon's. This is what we stand for. We are Northside. We are Northside. And that's what we're doing this morning. Family meeting. (laughs) Uh, Because our our big picture here at Christest is um, the reason we're having a family meeting is because we've just adopted a whole new family. And so we've just adopted a new bunch of brothers and sisters. And so what that will mean for us over the coming weeks is it's a great opportunity for us 
um, to really think about who we are as a church. What makes Northside Northside? You know, some of you and many of those core members that we heard in the video this morning get it. They represent it. I'm the fruit of the faithfulness of that core membership that are constantly willing to change. And so over the five weeks, we're going to have a look at, at, at our, our values as a church. We're going to have a family meeting. We're Northsiders. And, um, and we're going to talk about what those values are. This morning, I want to talk about something that, like if we don't get anything else right in this church, it's this. We want to be a church where nothing gets in the way of Jesus Christ between a searcher and Jesus Christ except the question, who is Jesus Christ? I mean, if, if, if we don't get any of the rest of the values right, um, that is the only one that needs to stand in this place. We want to be a church where nothing gets in the way between a searcher and Jesus Christ except the question of who is Jesus Christ. And I, I want to talk about... Uh, how we do that. As a church, we should make that easy for people. I want to talk about why we do that. And, and when I say we, notice how it's not a Sam thing or an Adrian thing or an Emily thing or an Andrew thing or a Tina thing or a Sharice thing. It's not a ministry team thing. Uh, it's an us thing. It's an everybody thing. And that the reason that so many of us here at Crowsness love Northside is because over the years, uh, Northside's become Northside through this God-given DNA that we have as a church. And the reason that we love that is because faithful people have embraced this as their church, that you've gotten this, that you are our church. And even better, you are your church. Did you realize that? You're our church and you are your church. So if you get better, your church gets better. And if you get better at pointing people to Jesus, our church gets better at pointing people to Jesus. And so that's one of the things that we want to be clear on makes Northside, Northside, that, you know, amongst everything else, we just want to point people to Jesus because we've concluded over the years after we've lived a little bit of life that when you follow Jesus, your life gets better and you get better at life. <laughs> now, notice how I said when you follow Jesus, I didn't say when you follow Jesus, life gets better. I mean, when it's not that type of doctrine. You know where I'm going with this. In fact, how many of you know that it's only until life gets worse that you can truly see how Jesus makes your life better? But when you follow Jesus, your life gets better and you get better at life. And so when you follow Jesus, you become a better mother and a better father and a better son and a better daughter and a better parent and a better friend and a better co-worker and a better boss when you follow him. And so that's why everything that we do in this place is to point people to what it means to follow Jesus. Because you're our church and you are your church. And so here's the bottom line. If the lights go out today uh, or if I faint because I've been you know, driving around and trying to get a hold of this whole new thing of two sermons at once. By the way, isn't it great? You get the remix version. <laughs> I take Zach with me down in the car. He can tell me all the things we need to improve on. If the lights go out, I want you to get this. Our first value, our primary value, our value about all other values in this church is this, that, that we want to be a people who are always pointing people to Jesus Christ. In many ways, um, we, are, we see ourselves a bit like this. We're, uh, we're Google. 
I like to think of the church as a spiritual search engine. You know, we don't have all the answers, but we can point you to the one who does. And all of our efforts, all of everything that we go towards is, is to create a place that helps people who are spiritually searching find the answer. And so we always want to point people to Jesus. Now, here's, here's the problem with that. There are lots of churches out there that say that's their primary value. We want to point people to Jesus. <laughs> but we're living in a world where we can find that, that thousands and thousands of people are, are what we call deconverting. There are deconversion stories happening all the time. There are people who are walking away from churches and from God because they, they, they suddenly come to realise that the thing that church was pointing them to was not Jesus, but really their brand of spirituality. It was their brand of God. It was their brand of Jesus. And, and so as a result, we're, we're entering a time in our society where we're entering what we call the post-Christian world. The post-Christian world is, is not people who are non-Christians, who have never heard of the gospel. The post-Christian world are people who have grown up in Sunday school and grown up in church and grown up hearing the gospel. And then they've, they've run into someone or something in that brand of Christianity that's turned them off. They've been deco- You've seen this? So here's a question I want to ask you this morning then. Now, if people are spiritually searching, will you be a search engine or a search ender? Because from what I've seen from friends and people that I talk to, in fact, there's even a podcast that you can listen to. It's called The X-Files, E-X-Files, and it's all stories of people who've walked away from the church. It's fascinating listening, particularly for a pastor. Um, because ironically, you know, from my side, my heart listens to some of these stories. And I go, when I hear some of the reasons on these podcasts, I go, yeah, I'd walk away from that church too. So post-Christians are not really people that don't have a faith. They're people that have had faith bumped into a brand of Christianity in a church that thought they were pointing to Jesus and as a result, they've skewed their vision and their version of God. And can you see, therefore, what, you've got to hold us to account to, in all of this. We've got to hold each other to account in all of this. That we can say that we are always pointing people to Jesus, but sometimes we can be pointing people to our brand of Christianity, our brand of spirituality. By the way, it's been happening for years. You see this in the passage, and it's where we get to that now. People are thinking, is this guy going to preach the Bible? Um, have, a, have a look at what happens in John chapter 3. After, after this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptised. Now, John also was baptizing there because there was plenty of water and the people were coming to be baptized. This was before he was in prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. Put your finger there. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, the man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he's baptizing and everyone's going to him. Now, um, Verse 25, the, the debate, the argument. That's what the Greek word meant underneath that. The argument that developed there. Notice how it wasn't between John's disciples and Jesus' disciples. This wasn't some sort of run DMC, West Side Story, baptize off. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't, it wasn't that sort of argument that was happening. No, it says between John's disciple and a Jew. 
So what's happening is that a, a, a Jewish person has seen, has seen John's brand of Christianity and Jesus' brand of Christianity or spirituality, um, however you want to trace it back to its roots. Um, he's seen each, and in order to be an antagonist, and don't you get them in the church from time to time, you know, those theological types that come up and they just, they just visit you in order to just have a go. Um, trust me, as a pastor, you get these people from time to time. And so one of these come in there and, and they say, John, John, look, you know, if, if your brand of, of spirituality is so good, then can I just ask you a question? How come everyone's going to him? And then it hit me. <clears throat> this is every pastor's worst nightmare. It's every Christian's worst nightmare. Because if I'm real with myself, this is how I constantly subconsciously think. <laughs> and what we really think as pastors is we, we look at all, the, all the, the places that people are flocking to and going to, the places that are making all of the disciples, and we look at their brand of Christianity and we wonder what is it that we need to do to emulate their brand of Christianity because everyone's going to them. <laughs> right? And you see this with churches that get critical of that place on the other side of the Jordan out in the Hills District called Hillsong, right? <laughs> you know, it's that sort of dynamic. Some of us come from churches where it's like, oh, you know, I was at church once then, Hillsong stole everyone. You know, I want to be really clear. I love Hillsong and I love what they're doing. And I love the way that God is moving through them. And John gives us a wonderful reminder of what it's all about. You see, John, look at John's response to all of this. John then says, To this he replies, A person can receive only what is given from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said I'm not the Messiah, but the one sent ahead of him. He must become greater. I must become less. So in the face of someone with a better ministry, someone who is getting more crowds, someone who looks like they're more successful, instead of having an argument, what does John do? John points to Jesus. <laughs> and so what it means for us is that we're going to hold each other accountable to this. Who cares if we get big or we get small? And if we do get big, the only reason I want to be big is because God is with us because we are pointing people to Jesus and not to our brand of Christianity. We want people to know about Jesus, not about our worship music, not about our style of preaching, or we'll talk about all of this in a second, not because of our lights, not because of our building, not because of our location, but because people in the community or people with a friend who might be spiritually searching says, you know what, you've got to go to that church because that church will point you to Jesus. That church is a Google search engine for spirituality. You've got to go to that place if you're looking. Which, by the way, is the very reason why we're constantly saying that this is a place where you can belong before you believe and you believe before you behave. We are the sort of church that expects that people are spiritually searching, that expects that spiritual searchers are sitting next to you and it's okay. And if you're here, we're glad you're here. We want to be a church that always points to Jesus. And what that means, in other words, that our ministry, the success of our ministry, will be measured not on how many people follow our brand, but on how well we point people to Jesus. 
hold us accountable to that. That's why I love churches of Christ in this post-Christian world because we come from a denomination whose catch cry is in essentials unity, in non-essentials liberty, but in all things love. I mean, what, what a denomination in today's climate. Like, what, what, what an amazing platform for us to do church from that says, look, we have got absolute freedom to just keep the main thing the main thing. I love, I love that I came out of Bible college and said, of all the denominations I could be part of, uh, yeah, I'd like to go to the one that happened to be the one that my home church is in. <laughs> essentials, unity, not essentials, liberty, but in all things, love. And the essential is follow Jesus because he will make your life better and he will make you better at life. And so we're to be a spiritual search engine. Uh, what does that look like? Um, before we get into that, um, talking of search engines, um, my, my little guy, Zach, um, I think I've told you guys, it, it feels like a couple of months back, probably a year ago, just out of nowhere, back of the car, in his car seat, says, uh, hey Siri, how do I get to Northside Kids? <laughs> and then... Um, and then we'll hear him, you know, on my, on my phone because he knows how to unlock my, my phone now. And so he, you just you hear him say, hey, Siri, how many rings are there on Saturn? <laughs> and can you believe that we live in this day and age where kids can do that? Not only unlock your phone, but just ask your phone. <laughs> how many rings are on Saturn? You know, because in my day, back in the 80s, the glorious 80s, <laughs> right? We had search engines. But they were very hard to lift because if you had grandparents that were sort of wealthy enough and resourced enough, the search engine sort of looked like this. It was just this, this, this big cabinet out here like this. And not always polished. And, and inside of it, for any of you Gen Y, um, there were these things inside of it. They were all in alphabetical order, books, right? And if they were resourced enough, they would have a little letter on each of their spine, which if they were all placed together would spell encyclopedia Britannica. (laughs) And that's how we would search. And so whenever you wanted to find an answer, the only way you could ever search is whenever you got the chance to go around to grandma's, right? Here's the challenge in our post-Christian world is that most churches these days still treat themselves like a a search engine for spiritually searching, but they treat themselves like the, the Encyclopedia Britannica and not like Google. And here's what I mean by that. We think that if we can just snazz up the building and we, we can get more light and we can get more interesting and we can get more contemporary, which are all good things, by the way. You know, Paul said to the Jew, I became a Jew, to the Gentile, I became a Gentile. Like we want to engage with people. But, but churches can get lulled into a thinking that if we just snazzy up the building and all we do, if we just make the Encyclopedia Britannica prettier, then that's what's going to help people search. But the challenge is we live in a culture that's in a PDA culture. We live in a culture that expects to get the answer now. And by the way, post-Christians don't want to go to that sort of church. You know, it's like um, one one of the great gifts given to us at the moment in this season of life is that we live a block away from a golf course. And, uh, and I've rediscovered golf. Um, and the thing is, though, um, Kristen hasn't. And that's tough in a marriage. That's very tough in a marriage, particularly with the game of golf. And, and the beauty of our golf club is like they've upgraded the green since I've been there last. They've even got a fountain. It looks pretty. 
out there at North Ryde. It's incredible. But you know what? No matter how pretty North Ryde Golf Club gets, Kristen is never going to drive into the driveway of North Ryde Golf Club. <laughs> and you know why? She doesn't do golf. She's not a golfer. She's ungolfed. And no matter how pretty Northride gets, she's never going to step foot onto a golf course at Northride because she's ungolfed. It's not that she doesn't know about golf. She knows lots about golf. In fact, the biggest problem is she knows too much about golf. (laughs) She knows that nine holes takes two hours and 18 takes four. So you're only playing nine. (laughs) So can you see where I'm going with this? That... That the problem with the post-Christian is not that they don't know about Jesus, about Christianity, is that no matter how we try and spruce things up, they've said, I know it, I've heard it, I know what you're about to say, God loves me, Jesus died for me, heard it in Sunday school, no thanks, not interested. What do we do with that? The good news is, um, the good news is, the church is a spiritual search engine, but... God has created you to be the spiritual search engine. This morning, you've got a new identity. You are all spiritual PDAs, portable divine assistants. <laughs> right? You're PDAs. And, and, and so instead of people having to come here to search to get all the answers from the Encyclopedia of Britannica. God is sending you into your workplaces, into your friendships, into your families to be the ones to help point people to Jesus. So the question is, how do we do that well? What makes a good spiritual search engine? Well, here's the first way that we do it. Um, First of all, let's take a look at what um, John says in his situation. He's a great example. Uh, John replies, a person can only receive what is given from heaven. You You yourselves can testify that I said, I'm not the Messiah but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. Look at this analogy. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and it's now complete. Here's what John does as a spiritual search engine. He keeps it simple. Notice how uh, when he's talking to people about Jesus, he, he doesn't begin like this, like the other John. Um, the other John says in the beginning was the word and word was with God and word was God I mean like you, you try and explain and point people to Jesus by saying that to someone in your workplace this week and see how it goes and John doesn't do it either what does he do he gives an analogy about brides and bridegrooms in a culture that would understand that and he says don't look at me I'm just the best man <laughs> the main guy's over there and we hear his voice which means he's amongst us now and so John keeps it incredibly simple. And, and so as a church, we want to keep our Christianity in this place simple. But notice there's a very big difference between simplistic Christianity and simple Christianity. And I'll show you the difference. Now have a look at this photo here. You know, which, which search engine would you like to start with? <laughs> you know what's on the left there? That's the algorithm behind the Google search engine. That's all the thing that's doing the work. So when you get your answer, you plug it into the algorithm and then, and, and then it gives it to you. Both will give you the answer. <laughs> but class, which, which one's simple? And is the one on the right simplistic? No, like there are thousands of employees in Cupertino or wherever it is in Silicon Valley, Google employees, right? 
There are thousands of employees that spend 14-hour days modifying that algorithm and sticking it behind that plain search bar so that you can have the best possible answer in the most simplest of means. Can you see the difference between simple and simplistic? And so what we want as a church is to be a church that finds a simple on the other side of complexity, a simplicity on the other side of complexity. It's, it's why, look, when, when, when we preach, you know, we're using Google and algorithms and everything. The team knows this. That my heart in this place is to constantly deliver simple messages, not simplistic messages, simple messages. You know, simplistic message, by the way, are the ones that look and make you feel complex and deep, but then you do nothing with it. You know, that's like giving you the algorithm. And the Greek here says this and this and this and this. Now, I don't want to sound critical. I think there's some churches that do that amazingly well. But remember, we're a church that wants to point people to Jesus. And spending 25 minutes in what the Greek word for debate means in this passage, I just don't know how that helps you live your life this week. Which leads me to the next point, that we not only want to be simple, but have a look at what what John then says here. The one who comes from above is above all, and the one who is from earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. And the one who comes from heaven is above all. So what we see here from John is that not only does he want to keep things simple, but he wants to keep things helpful. In other words, he's saying that this information and this revelation comes from Jesus himself. He's pointing to Jesus yet again. And he says, if you want the answer, you've got to understand I'm from earth. He's from above. He's the one that's got the sense of perspective. It's like, you know, if you're flying in a, in a plane and you were flying over the, the Bell's Line of Road in the Blue Mountains and you could see a, a whole trail of cars snaking up the side of the Blue Mountains and, and they're all stuck behind this truck at 40 k's an hour. Surely the driver in the driver's seat behind the truck is thinking, if I just pull out on this one lane highway across the double lines, I think I'll be fine. But they don't do it. Why? Because they can't see what's ahead. <laughs> and what, what John is saying here is that, is that Jesus is the one with perspective Jesus is from above Jesus can see all Jesus is over all and so we want to point people to Jesus not because he's prescriptive but because he's the one with perspective we want to get out of the way of that we want to become less so that his perspective can be higher so we want people to have information that is helpful. Information, this is why we will constantly talk about what is your next step, what is your next step, what is your next step, what is your next step? Because information that is just information is really stagnation. <laughs> you know, there are a lot of Christians who can come in and on a Sunday and receive a big download and a whole heap of information and write a whole heap of notes and do nothing with it. That's a pathway to death. And I think it was Jesus himself that said, anyone who puts these words of mine into practice will be like the wise person who built their house upon the rock. Simple, helpful. Here's the last one. And accessible. Have a look at what John says here. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified, look, he's baptizing and everyone's going to him. And John replies, I can only receive what I get from heaven. The key line there, they came to John. John was accessible. John was present. John was visible. You've heard me say, you know, like, how can, how can searchers find the PDA if they don't even know where it is? You, know, you need to be like, like the, the cool device that I have on my Apple Watch whenever I lose my phone. 
Uh, there's a thing on the Apple Watch where you just press a button and it just pings your phone around the house. It's like the best invention ever. Like if this watch doesn't have to track my health, as long as it tells me where to find my lost phone, it's going ping, 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 ping. Part of the problems with us PDAs is we don't ping when we're in the world. We don't make noise. Remember I say we, we often sneeze church. You know, multiple people are going to ask you this week, what did you get up to on the weekend? And your answer is probably going to be church. <laughs> Sorry, what did, what did you do yesterday? I, I, I went to church. <laughs> we sneeze church and we're not visible. We've had people come to this church here. And thankfully, um, the guy whose story this is about is up at Taramara at the moment, taking photos for us, so I don't want to implicate him. <laughs> But <laughs> too specific. <laughs> Brand new person who looks us up on the internet comes here and says, "Oh, I work at I work at this particular paper merchant." <laughs> and we said, "Oh, well, what?" And that Northsider goes here. They said, "They said that person. I sit next to them. I didn't know they were a Christian." <laughs> Are we accessible? The people, the people who are searching know how and where to find someone that will point them to Jesus. And so this is all it, all it boils down to this morning for us. And I've got to ask you this. Are you a, are you a, 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 a message sender or a message ender? Are you a search sender or a message ender this morning? Are you someone who points people to Jesus? Are you someone who continues that searching journey for someone? Are you someone who has enough intrigue in your life because you are simple, you are helpful, and you're accessible in the way that you live out your Christianity? And by the way, Northsiders, isn't, isn't that how most of us here over the last 30 years have lived their life? That's what I love about this place. It's been... Yeah, at, at the risk of being a brand of Christianity, it's been a type of Christianity that is, is, is simple and helpful and accessible to people who are searching. And that's why you can belong before you believe and you believe before you behave. That's who we are. A church that always points people to Jesus. That's who we want to be, but the only way that we'll, we will be that is if you do that. Because... You are our church. And don't forget, you are your church. So if you're frustrated that your church is not doing this, then my first question to you is, are you doing this? Because you are our church and you are your church. And the only way that these values will begin to flow from us is if it's each and every one of us sees ourselves as a search sender and not a search ender. Church here, guys, will never be better than you. And when you get better, we get better. You PDAs, portable divine <laughs> assistants. God's sending you out this week. And so I can talk a little bit differently on this special morning this morning to everyone that's sitting here, particularly a bunch of people that are sitting here, and you know who you are. And we just, we just had a soft launch with a with a hundred and something people in Taramara, way beyond what we expected at this point in time. And I watched and I saw faces that I don't know yet and I've not seen in that congregation. We've seen people already in this first weekend um, that maybe for the first time, uh, I don't know their stories yet. 
uh, but are getting pointed towards Jesus. And what I want to say to each and every one of you that have brought us to this point so far, who are engaged and who serve and faithfully put out biscuits and give of your time and your money and your tithes and all that you've invested into this place, can I say thank you, thank you, thank you. And to our core, the B-52s, as I call them, the B-52 bombers, our older members who just silently fly over and napalm the enemy in the kingdom of God. <laughs> so we youngins, foot soldiers, can take ground and think that we all did it ourselves. Um, can I thank you from the bottom of my heart for being a brand of older Christian who for whatever reason, and maybe it's God's thumbprint on this place, kept it simple, helpful and accessible. This is a truly unique place. We are a place that always seeks to point people to Jesus, not because of what some ministry team dreamed up on a whiteboard, but because that's already who we've been. Let's pray. Father, help us in this. I pray too for anyone this morning that might have been (laughs) dragged off the street or searched on the internet or been in that part of of what have been so many people's pathways into following Jesus in this place, Lord. I pray that through all of the Bible passages and the stories that they might be able to see you a bit more clearly, Lord Jesus. Thank you that you make our lives better and you make us better at life. And Lord, I pray for each and every one of us at Crow's Nest and now Taramara that we would embody this and we would live this and that this DNA would continue to grow and flourish in more and beautiful ways. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.